Maranatha, written in the scriptures many times. Maranatha means, come, Lord Jesus. But they understood how he comes. You don't say that by blind faith. You don't say it, just make a wish foundation. You say it with understanding. God has given us the understanding of the teachings of Jesus Christ through the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So the gospel is the fulfillment of Torah by the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And we are one in Jerusalem above. It is written. It is time for the complete and full gospel of the fulfillment of all Torah, of Moses and the Lamb, standing on top of Holy Mount Zion in Revelation 15. It's time to sing the song of Moses. The overcomers are singing Torah, and they're singing the song of the Lamb. I've always wondered, what is the song of the Lamb from Revelation 15? I know the song of Moses. Anyone can turn in their Bibles to Deuteronomy 32 through 34 and read the song of Moses. What is the song of the Lamb, Jesus Christ the Messiah? I believe it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This little scroll given to me by the angel on the island of Patmos. I believe it's the full understanding of what is actually fulfilled by Jesus Christ the Messiah of Israel through the twelve apostles of the Lamb and the twelve tribes of Israel. Notice when the song of Moses is sung, it's for the blessing of the twelve tribes, or the the fulfillment of the promises that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses and his Torah, as the angels gave them Torah on the mountain to Moses and Aaron, and they gave it to all the Israelites down below. It was the promises fulfilled. The things promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our patriarchs, the Christian patriarchs, the Jewish patriarchs. For Christianity is nothing less than Messianic Judaism. If you read the New Testament, every single one of them is a Jew fulfilling Torah through Jesus Christ, not just an exclusive Jewish club, but a light for all nations. If they receive the circumcisions of the heart and the mind and the inscriptions of the fulfilled Torah, of the twelve apostles of the Lamb inside those circumcisions. Is circumcision enough? Well, afterwards there's inscription. That's why it speaks of the seal of the Lamb. What's the seal? It's the inscription of the fulfillment of Torah. So you can't just be fighting your own sin, your own wrongdoing, your own wickedness that does have tremendous profit to be delivered 
from demons and darkness and phantoms and shadows and augury of resembling birds, beasts, and reptiles in your countenance in the valley of decision and free from sorcery and free from divination and free from bone necromancy certainly has great benefits to be free from all those cursed abilities of Deuteronomy 18. But is it enough just to be free from hell? No. You must have the inscriptions of God's word from heaven also. That's why there's a plowing of the ox of God that threshes. Wonderful four-faced man, lion, eagle, ox, and one like the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah of all Israel. And the ox is one of his four faces plowing our hearts tonight so that the Torah of the fulfilled Moses messianic message sung in the hearts of the overcomers might be inscribed in us as a seal. As is written, do not harm the trees, but they're trees with no fruit, Lord. Should we call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus is like, no, do not harm the trees until the righteous, holy, and elect, the chosen are chosen, and they're sealed, inscribed in their foreheads. You know what that means? They're singing the song of the Lamb and the song of Moses. The full oral tradition of New Testament of the Twelve Apostles of the Lamb and the full oral tradition of the Old Testament, the Twelve Tribes of Israel. For those seals are inscriptions done by angels in angelic doctrine. As it's written, I heard an angel flying through the mid-heavens proclaiming the eternal gospel. Have you heard the angelic gospel? A lot of you have heard human gospels. That's usually what we deal with when they're harvested into this apostleship, Red Letter Ministries. You have human ideas literally about everything. 25 Bibles in your houses. Some of you have gone to Bible college. Some of you have been through all kinds of internships in schools of the prophetic and charismatic schools. And we come with a head full of ideas, a heart full of ideas. It's like Luke Skywalker meeting Yoda. And it's like you come in and you just don't have much room for much teaching because your cup's already full of the things you think you know about the Force. But you're a Padawan. And you're in denial. And I'm like, oh no, I, I have the circumcised heart. I have the mind of Christ. And it's like, what did Saul say? Show me the bag of foreskins. You say that you have the ability for the new soul, the restored soul, the angelic. Where is the human being in the body bag to prove it? They throw them in body bags. It's foreskins in a body bag. Goliath's head was carried in a gunny sack. It was carried around Jerusalem by the champions, by David and his mighty men. Later on, they'd be toting around enemy kings destroying all the enemies of God. The Bible says his mighty men even took out other Nephilim besides Goliath after David killed the first one, it says in Scripture. So you're going to be annihilating the enemies of God through spiritual warfare as good Christian soldiers fighting the fight of faith 
and the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, Yadivave, to the pulling and annihilating of all strongholds of all rungs of Jacob's ladder. What is that? The messianic bloodlines, the messianic DNA, the messianic genetics. Have you ever been told the truth that Jacob's ladder is Messiah's bloodlines, Messiah's genealogy? That you're saved only by being engrafted into those generations, those genealogies. That DNA alone is blessed. That DNA is the Torah of Yadevave. That's what angels brought from God in heaven to Moses. You think they were just bringing some kind of human doctrine? It came from God. Did the apostles bring human doctrine? No, it came directly from God. Therefore, it's God's own genetics. That's written in 1 John. You're born again of the God-spermed seed of the Word of God that cannot sin. Born again. It devours witchcraft, sorcery, religion, curses, augury. Anything Laban is doing, Nimrod's doing, Esau is doing, Ishmael's doing, and whatever thing that the wicked unbelievers are doing in their scheming in their charismatic witchcraft of Jezebel's tower it obliterates it all it consumes it all terrorizes it burns it it tortures it they're tortured by the teachings of the righteous that's why they continue to tune in and harm anyone that's learning wisdom because they're being tortured already the torture and the judgment is the fulfillment of Torah towards all the shadows in the world. There is speck and plank in every human being's eye. It's true. So, one thing is a blessing, but one thing is a curse. What's that one thing? The fragrance of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this same eternal gospel, the angelic gospel, that comes down from the mid-heavens like the scroll of heavenly Jerusalem into all your ears, into all your hearts. It's a blessing to the living. It's a curse to the dying. That's what Scripture says. To those that hate the Torah of the Lamb of God, it is a curse. As it's written, this child is for the rise and fall of many nations. Universalism and hypergrace says rise only. It's a blessing for everyone. Not true. Not biblical. It is a curse towards the rebellious. It is a curse towards the self-righteous. It is a curse towards the sexually immoral. It's a curse towards those who love lies. It will obliterate them in a lake of fire. If you don't allow the inscriptions, the seal of the inscriptions of the fulfilled Torah of heavenly Jerusalem to be written by holy angels, the angels that are assigned to your spirit when you're born again and become a new creature. If you refuse the circumcision and you refuse the inscription, circumcision is basically just making room for the glorious word of God to come in and be written in your hearts and in your minds, and in your bones, and in your marrow, because the angels serve Jesus Christ, Messiah, King, Yadavave, in heavenly Jerusalem today. And he is so generous 
to share his inheritance, which is all the heavens, all the stars, all the sun, the government of day, all the moon, the government of night, all the earth and everything on it, with those who believe and obey his Torah. Some people think Torah belongs to Moses. Moses didn't even say that. Moses said his Torah belonged to Jesus Christ the Messiah. One will come after me that will be like me. Why? He'll be messianic like Moses. Moses is getting discipled by the Messiah on the mountain. That's why he said one like me will come. If you're an apostle, you're messianic, you can say Jesus is like me. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's not just Paul. That's any real apostle trained on Mount Zion by Jesus Christ himself. I don't even know what kind of Christianity you have crawling down there in the dust of the earth in serpentine deception of the fallen angels. It's all an abomination. The things that go on down in the valley of the shadow of death where worm and moth kill, steal, and destroy those that reject Mount Zion. Mount Zion is a system of teachings from the apostles of the Lamb. Mount Zion is the city of heavenly Jerusalem. You go into that mountain by agreeing with apostolic teaching from Jesus Christ. I only have a covenant with Jesus Christ, brother. I don't have a covenant with the apostles. Well, you'll never get to Jesus. The Bible says he's surrounded by 24 elders. These goofy people say, well, I can go straight to Jesus. That's not biblical. You're a liar. You have to go through 24 elders. Yours is the kingdom first, then the power, then the glory. Yours is the Shekinah. It's an ever-increasing increments of salvation by getting circumcised and inscribed every rung of Jacob's ladder, which is the Jewish messianic bloodlines of Messiah Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I tell you the truth, when we Christians, Gentiles now made Jews through the circumcision of the heart and mind, when we begin to demonstrate this true messianic reality on the moon and on the sun and on the stars, it's going to get the Jews' attention. Oh yes, it will get all the Jews' attention. And if you don't know, the Jews are currently owning our central banking system. It's old news, and I'm not into conspiracy theories. I'm, I don't even hold a grudge, and I understand the situation. And I can forgive them and wash them, and I can put my silver eagle rua right through all of their worlds of Yetzirah because I have messianic rights by the twelve fishermen of Galilee, the apostles of the Lamb. I have messianic rights to work through where these people are at without any anger, frustration, bitterness, or fear. To be a fisherman and an apostle of the Lamb is to use the tools that Jesus Christ wants us to use. We don't use any of the hunting box. I don't use any hunting. There's no augury here. There's no divination. There's no selfishness. There's nothing outside the city gates. There's no magic arts in Jerusalem. No magic arts. What are the magic arts? The ten forms of sorcery and divination of Deuteronomy 18 that we've already taught you in this ministry. There's zero of that in Messiah's Jerusalem. 
So we're using the tools Messiah gave us, legal tools that belong to the people of the Messiah, that belong to those who believe and obey the doctrines of the twelve apostles whose names are written on the foundation stones of our capital city. Now, our capital city is Washington, D.C., and I like that. I am so happy to be in Minnesota, in the USA, expanding to Florida, in the USA. It's a blessing and it's an honor. But even higher than Washington, D.C., as my American capital, I have a capital of heavenly Jerusalem, of my angelic reality of Israel above of the twelve tribes of Jacob. And because I believe Torah and I believe the fulfillment of Torah, I live in those realms legally through what Jesus Christ has done for me and what he's done for you. And the preaching of the angelic gospel of the midheavens from all the rungs of the stars and the sun and the moon of Genesis 1 created for us God's people, now occupied by us, Jesus Christ's people, This gospel from those rungs is for you to be saved from all the problems on the earth. But you're going to have to change a lot of your belief systems because it's an awakening that a lot of the stuff you believed in the church age is Revelation 2 and 3 realities. And if you read the Bible, there's nine realms you must overcome to receive those nine cosmic abilities of the angel of Yarevave, Jesus Christ, in celestial flesh. To those who overcome, to those who conquer, blessed are they who conquer, blessed are they, made happy to be envious, are they who overcome. Nine times in Revelation 2 and 3, it is written to those who conquer. What are you conquering? Your earthliness. You're conquering your humanity, your mark of humanity in your forehead. What's the mark of humanity in the forehead? It's Leviathan. It's it's the ziz of the sky. It's the behemoth of the earth and the soil. It's the marine spirits. It's the, the beasts of the field spirits. It's the foul bird spirits of the air, the foul, the principalities of the powers of the air, wicked air, wicked water. And wormwood fell from heaven, killed one-third of that which dwelt in the sea, the waters, and the earth, the soil. If you haven't checked, your flesh is earth and soil and sky all inside those bodies that you live in. That's your temple. That's your earthen vessel. So you're going to have to clean up the sky spirits, the water spirits, the, the earthen dust and dirt spirits. And they all get obliterated when the Torah is fulfilled with the 12 apostles of the Lamb's teachings. So the most important thing is getting into the understanding of Scripture. That's why we call this ministry the Red Letter Ministry, because it's the fulfillment of not just New Testament, but Old Testament. The Messiah is the Messiah of Old Testament. What makes Messiah Messiah? He fulfills the promises of the prophets and Moses. Without the prophets and Moses, you don't even know what you got which means you have zero wisdom. So they just use Messiah and Christianity down here for selfishness. Maybe I have a better car. Maybe I can get a job. I have a better wife, a better husband, a better 
me, 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 I, 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 selfish, self, and it's like, no, that's not what Messiah is for, you greedy, selfish people, you lovers of self, now, that's what Jude says they'll, says they'll be in the last times, in the end times, that doesn't have to be you, the circumcisions obliterate that selfishness, so it just goes right through you, you become crystal clear, you're not identifying with sin and shadows and demons and rebellion and religion. You're not identifying with the all of the curse list of Torah. All of the curse list of Galatians 5, new Torah. You're identifying with the blessing because the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is cutting that stuff away so that it doesn't apply to you. Only blessings should apply to you if you're receiving Torah. Why do curses apply to you? You're deceived by demons. You allow shadows to come in and interpret, twist it. That, that's why Leviathan, Behemoth, and Ziz, the sky beast, have to be slain in your sky, your heavens, in your dust, your earth, that's Behemoth, and in your waters, because your natural man is mostly water. Otherwise, marine spirits, Jezebel marine spirits, Behemoth beef spirits, and all kinds of foul, detestable birds of the Ziz of the sky spirits will completely just take over your mind, your will, emotions, your feelings. You'd be feeling like the fallen angels all the time. And what does Messiah even do for me? I don't even know. I just feel like crap. I'm always beat up. I'm in debt. Things suck, you know, it's bitterness, and my spouse doesn't understand. I'm persecuted, mistreated. Soon enough, the enemy's got you bitter and incarcerated. Satan will put some of you in prison 10 days. Why do we endure to the end to get out of it? Jesus Christ, Red Letters, Revelation chapter 2. You put yourself there because your belief systems are more in the enemy than in the power of God to break the spell casting of the wicked Laban and the wicked Beor and the wicked Korah's rebellion and what the wicked are doing. God's greater than all that wickedness and it's not even a contest. You just got to believe the right things. You got to be singing Torah. Not just all serious, grumpy, looking like you got baptized in freaking pickle juice all the time. Brine. Like, you know, what are, we're going to a funeral when we go to read the Bible or something. People looking like they've been baptized in formaldehyde. Like, what's even flowing through your veins? Bitterness? The fallen angels? Or the joy of the Lord? The generations of the bloodlines of Jacob and the twelve tribes of Israel? Torah is a blood transplant. The nefesh is in the blood. What kind of nefesh you have? Happy, joyful, made envious nefesh. That's what scripture says. Why is that not most of your realities? Because you chose false joy over sacrificing of your selfish nature. And so then you took a counterfeit of the real thing. So it's not fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts is sweet blood all the time. What is fruit? The blood of the vine, the blood of the grape. You think fruit is just tutti-frutti, looking fluty-fluty, just looking like a goofball clown in front of Jezebel's tower, put cake and makeup on our faces and dancing around like hooligans and thinking we're free and drunk and happy and to be blessed and be envied. Most of those people aren't even around the same Jesus that died on the cross. The, the ascended one who's glorified, who entered the joy. That joy is Shekinah like lightning. I mean, how about lightning levels of the joy of the Lord? That goes into your blood and arteries and gives you a personality that looks like the risen one. How do you expect to behave when you're joined through blood to the risen glorified one? 
don't you think you probably think a little differently? Don't you think you probably talk a little differently? You treat others a little differently? You think about your situation much differently, different perspective, according to the wormwood in your blood or the bright morning star in your blood. Your whole mental moral attitude is based on your human blood right now. What's covering your mind? You, you all know you went to high school. Blood. You could take a razor blade and cut your forehead. Blood would come out. You could take that blood and see exactly what's in it through DNA. Is there the joy of the Lord flowing through your blood? Now I'm not saying cut yourself. I'm saying let the word cut you today. Let the word cut your forehead. He says I need to carve some stuff out of your forehead, out of your skull, out of your crossbones, out of your bone and marrow. Get that bitterness obliterated in your brain. Get those memories and all the horrible things that have happened to you in hell on earth since you were born of flesh, which is the definition of hell on earth, is being mm -hmm. born of woman. That's what hell is. Being born again is born in heaven, born above. You are born below. They didn't realize Jesus Christ said they were already in Gehenna. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you study the Greek, they're walking around the breathing dead. What did Jesus Christ say? You're like dead men's bones. He said you're animated corpses. That's scripture. The gospel says you're like dead men walking. Right? Religious people and rebellious people are already dead. What did Jesus Christ say? Let the dead bury the dead. But they have breath and beating hearts. Jesus Christ said they're already dead. But the one that had died, he said he's not dead, he's sleeping. You agree with Jesus? Is Jesus delusional or are you delusional? Is Jesus right and you a liar? Yes, that's the full comprehension of humility is that Jesus is right about everything and you are wrong about everything. And you allow his righteousness to become your everything. And that's what being engrafted into the vine and bearing fruit and fruit that lasts is. That now my blood sings the song of the Lamb. Now my arteries and my veins have the infusion of his blood. What do you say? You cannot be my disciple unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Have you eaten his flesh today? Have you drank his blood today? Communion, brother? Communion? Matzah? Unleavened bread only? Did it was it blessed by a Catholic priest? Well, that what are the odds that the Catholic priest that blessed that was actually in training for their black mass once they're done training as a regular priest? Yeah. So the issue is, is eating his flesh, drinking his blood, partaking of Torah, engaging of Torah, uproots all demons in all worlds and throws them into the lake of fire. If there's demons in you, through you, around you, in your relationships, in your family, in your house, in your business, in your priesthood, in your perfected life that Jesus Christ has purchased for you, that means you have simply not begun to engage in the oral tradition of the Lamb of God and Moses, which means you're clueless and have no revelation about how the angelic world actually works. We have ideas, usually that's just stubbornness. We got opinions, all lies. King David, who was a great Kabbalist, he said, I said to my astonishment, everyone's a liar. Was he talking about the Philistines? Yes. Was he talking about the Israelites? Yes, yes. Yes and yes. I said in my astonishment, all human beings are liars. Here's the issue. Torah is not a human being. 
Scripture is not a word from a man or a woman. Revelation was not John's frickin' opinion made up delusional trippin' from not eating for three months on Patmos. It was God who spoke to his prophet. And the word that created the heavens and the earth came right through the prophet John, and he wrote Torah. As good as the golden letters of Mount Sinai is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ in your Bibles. Truth anyhow. Now when you read it, that's why it says, Blessed is anyone who reads it and reads it, hears it, aloud or in written form, they will receive a blessing. Revelation 1, it is written. That's true. Because it's now the angelic being imparted into your hearts, into your ears. It's called light. Your ears receive 1,000 times more light than your eyeballs do. Your ears hear 1,000 times more light, spiritual and natural light, both, than your eyeballs are able to absorb. That's why faith comes by hearing. What kind of faith? Oral tradition. You don't need your ears for the written word, do you, buckwheat? Only for hearing buckwheat and becoming buckwheat army, which is the army that hears and obeys the Messiah in Jerusalem above. Jerusalem below, well, that is obliterated. Obliterated from what? Demons, religion, racism, selfishness, greed, augury, sorcery, divination, Jewish demons, Christian demons, Muslim demons, all obliterated like a fire in these days. In fact, the world will quickly become a demon-free zone. Enoch prophesied of these times that the heavens would be for a blessing and refreshment, and no wicked would even step foot on moon, sun, stars, or earth ever again. Wow, he says it's going to happen quickly. Now, Enoch has greater faith than you. A lot of you don't believe it can happen quickly because it's not happening in your life, and you only have faith for what you've experienced. Hello? So, unbelief is faith in your natural man's experiences. Why is it so hard to get people to believe the New Testament in angel form, in oral traditional form, to live on the moon, sun, and stars? Why is 6,000 uh, 6, years later, <laughs> after the fall, 6,024 years later, after Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden, you only have six people on the moon and the sun and the stars, legally through Messiah, through the bloodline of Jesus Christ, his Torah. Torah. His twelve apostles of the Lamb, Torah. Why is there only six after 6,000 years? That's true. I'm not lying to you. Because you only have faith in what you've experienced. Real faith is what Jesus experienced. What the angels are experiencing. And the angels outnumber you millions and myriads to one. You have to come to the conclusion, are the angels right preaching the gospel midair? mid-heavens, from the stars. Angel and star is synonymous in Scripture if you read the Bible. Are the holy angels right and you wrong? That's what a circumcision is. That you are literally wrong about everything in Christianity when you're on the earth. Your belief systems, it's mostly stubbornness, it's mostly pride. We think about theology, doctrine, correct teaching, I don't want to be deceived. You're already the maximum measure of deceived possible if you're living on the earth. As is written, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, Satan's been thrown down to you. All your Christianity in the earth is satanic. All of it. But blessed and rejoice exceedingly those who live in the heavens. Revelation 12, 12, it is written. So the only place you're blessed, according to 
Revelation 12.12. Just write that in the comments. Revelation 12.12. Exceedingly blessed are those who live in the heavens. Cursed are those who live on the earth. So you wonder why you have issues. You have issues because the Bible explains to you you're living submitted to the earthly curse right now and the human experience is real to you. You only have faith for the human experience. The divine angelic experience is so far above your head you can barely grasp any of it and you make excuses to why you're not experiencing it. Oftentimes we don't even humble ourselves when we hear something higher than us. We just come in with a pompous attitude, with a calloused heart, with stubborn pride, saying, Oh, well, that's just for the apostles or the prophets, or you're crazy, and we judge and we criticize, and we slander and we abuse, and we murder the prophets in our heart, we murder the apostles in our heart, and we never obey anything or do anything they say. Hardly anyone does. And it was the same way in the first century. So you're not alone in being totally rebellious in this wicked generation of iniquity who has no circumcisions of the heart, but all the things of charismatic fluff on their heads. It won't do you any good in the coming days. Depart from me, charismatic church. Depart from me, glory stream church. Depart from me, evangelical free church of America. For you did not know me. No circumcisions of the heart. No going to the moon, sun, and stars. No salvation for you, buckwheat. You will not be saved in the valley of decision because you're being augured by Molech. So you have that reptilian Christianity. There are so many paintings and depictions of the reptiles involved in Christianity in the Catholic church paintings. It should astonish you. And you say, well, I'm free of that because I speak in tongues. You're not. Those snakes are everywhere in the charismatic church, in the glory stream church. You could be around the most signs and wonders filled greatest glory ministers of all time. But if you are on earth... You are buried under serpentine dirt and dust because of the elevation and the rung you're standing on. You're still in the valley of decision. doesn't matter if you've been a David Hogan or a Heidi Baker or a Bill Johnson or the greatest apostles and prophets of the church age disciple for the last 60 years. If you're on the earth, you will be obliterated. You cannot count former things only moving forward in what God is doing today. It is written considering not past moves of God, lest we perish attached to the previous moves of the Holy Spirit. The cloud moved. The pillar of fire moved. Do you think they're still out there in the wilderness with snakes hanging off of them? I mean, that's how Christianity is today. But Israel, at least after 40 years, moved to Zion and inhabited the land through Joshua and Caleb. Christians are in the wilderness. We've been dying in the wilderness 2,000 years, they only died in the wilderness one generation. Then what did they do? Use the ability of Torah to take over sun, moon, and stars and rule the world to this very day through Kabbalah, which is oral tradition of the Old Testament. And a lot of them are more faithful to Jesus Christ than Christians are in the dirt and in the sand practicing earthly Christianity of the abomination of the filth and the shifting sand of the earth. And you sit there and you want to judge the Jews who have all the power and the money to rule all the nations of the world right now. And you yourselves haven't made one sacrifice to even join them on the moon, sun, and stars. And yet you you judge your overlords. Jesus Christ said about those hypocrites, your words will be your judges. Moses will be your judges. What is Moses? Oral tradition of the Old Testament. You think you're safe by just 
claiming the blood of Jesus and the value decision? Blood of Jesus won't do anything for you if you stay in Egypt. It's the Passover lamb in Egypt. You're supposed to not be in Egypt anymore. If you stay in Egypt the next day, put the blood, put the blood, put the blood, put the blood. Oh, well, Pharaoh killed you. You're dead. You're, you're burning in a, in a heap of manure pile with cattle over here. It worked for one day. You must move forward, crossing the Red Sea, crossing the wilderness, crossing the Jordan, crossing Jerusalem, getting into the center of the throne of the Father, which is Zion, the throne of Yadavave, Abba Father in heaven, and begin living out of His glory. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Have you moved past kingdom into power? Move past power into Shekinah glory. I should not have to establish in you the elementary things anymore. That's what Paul says when the Corinthian church was only three years old. How old is the Corinthian church now? 2,000. 2,000 years old. Apostolic expectations were God the Father's expectations for harvest and fruitfulness, for the Father is a vine dresser, which means farmer. Farmer! That after 2,000 years, you think we would have better fruit than the Corinthian church. And I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to awaken you, to shake you up, shake your heart, shake your minds, shake everything that can be shaken. Because people are totally lost on earth right now, clinging to everything except what they need to cling to. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God to establish Torah on moon, sun, and stars to get out of the earth. In the coming hours, not days, hours, there will be such judgment towards the valley of decision that every single soul will decide, will I be augured by the hunters? Will I be augured by the sorcerers of Babylon the Great? Am my soul possessed with birds, beasts, and reptiles, and I've chosen that side? Or will I be fished? And in a sense, augured by Jesus Christ and the twelve apostles of the Lamb and the twelve tribes of Israel inside the gates of heavenly Jerusalem. You're going to be augured by those outside or augured by those inside, which means possessed by their souls. You know the upper room, they were possessed by the Spirit and the soul of Jesus Christ and got ruas, began prophesying directly from the throne of the Lamb. Are you possessed by another man's soul right now? Yes, all of you are either of the enemy side in disagreement towards me or of the winning side of righteousness in agreement with me. There's only two type of people here in the whole planet listening to me. You're either augured by the sorcerers or you're augured by the sons. There's nothing in between. In the coming hours, you will decide what is filling and possessing your soul. Why do you think we get silver eagles, golden doves, why do you think we get the baptisms and moving on towards righteousness? Do you believe the enemy has all the power, dominion, authority, and might? Do you believe the bone necromancers? Or do you believe the risen one who conquered death? What's in your bones is singing a song right now. Doubt and unbelief, controlled and augured by hell and death. Death is your master. Death is your Lord. Death is your Jesus. Death is your Holy Spirit. It's true. Religion, even charismatic religion, has death as their Holy Spirit and death as their Jesus. The real lamb that was slain is risen and there's no death in Jerusalem at all. So it's a gospel of angelic life that obliterates angelic death. And people down in the valley, 
got a mixture usually of both we need you to go all in into the armies of jacob and the armies of joshua and the armies of caleb and the armies of the apostles of the lamb and choose to be completely and totally possessed by life only and the torah of life and the lamb's book of life and the resurrection and the life with no mixture of death in your belief systems whatsoever that come from the father of lies. All of that death of belief systems that are in people are what keep them pegged down to the earth. You have a contract with death. You have a covenant with death. Religion is a covenant with a death spirit. Rebellion is a covenant with a death spirit. It can be broken. And what's the covenant? Circumcision. The sword of the spirit that circumcises heart and mind and bone and marrow. Sometimes you're connected in your bone marrow. It's a blood covenant that you already have with pornography, with rebellion, with greed, with all kinds of idolatry of self, all kinds of nonsense. They have blood covenants with everything except the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Messiah's garments. That's why they don't walk with him in white, which is total blazing shit kind of glory. You have a covenant and connection with literally every other thing in the world except Jesus. He says, I command you to repent and remember your first love. To re-covenant, which means to re-circumcise your heart. Which is symbolized, because it's wisdom being taught now. Wisdom of redigging the wells in your heart. When Jacob Israel and the twelve tribes... When they were grazing their sheep and raising cattle and goats and all kinds of wonderful animals that fed Israel and made them the richest, most blessed nation on earth, when they would repent from forgetting Torah, they'd have to undig the wells. With woman at the well, she's at Jacob's well, right? Fotini is her name, one of the apostles of the Lamb. John chapter 4. You think you're greater than Jacob, our father? Samaritan woman. Jacob built this well he dug it so the well is working jacob's working jesus said if you know who you're talking to you wouldn't be getting this natural water you'd be given this water that's coming out of my belly the water of god the father's throne the water of shekinah of the torah that made the stars and sun and moon full government But because you're still stuck on a natural interpretation of Jacob, you've had five husbands, and the one you're married to right now is Satan himself. Six. Six, six. That was Samaritan woman's husband. True story. The six. She had a principality in her home, holding back her apostolic calling. Jesus transferred her from external bewitchment into the well that he is, Messiah, in her own heart. What did she say? Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Right? Which means undug the whole well of Messiah. So what is Jacob's well? The fulfillment of the promise of Messiah is the greater well than Jacob, not just feeding the livestock and the natural, but getting the scorpions and the snakes out of Jacob's well. They'd already done that. They'd gotten those out. And it's working in Samaria. There's Jacob's well to prove it. She's going there every day to draw water. And she couldn't find answers, and so she looked for it in all the natural realm, not just with men, but in the marketplace, everything. She was completely at her wit's end. And so when Messiah came in that divine appointment and spent five minutes with her, he awakened himself inside her heart. I am the Messiah of God. 
and she believed. And that well began to spring up in her. She went back and won her whole city to Jesus Christ, and it didn't end there. She became one of the four chief apostles of the Lamb, winning the whole world to Jesus Christ. Fotini, apostle of the Lamb of the first century. True story, also known as the woman at the well. Amen. What does it mean? A lot of times we go to the natural realm. When you go and engage in Torah and you're just at Jacob's well, didn't do much for Fotini, did it? Prostituting yourself to religious spirits constantly. But it's an understanding. Her understanding shifted. It shifted from just a natural covenant of Jacob to, oh my God. He, there he is. He's real. The angel of Yadavav is now in me. It'll spring up in your belly unto eternal life. That's what he told her. Now I don't just have Torah or scripture on the outside. I have Torah and scripture in your belly. John 7, 38. That's what Messiah is. It's having all the Torah of Moses and the promises fulfilled in the teachings of Jesus Christ and his bloodline working in your spirit and your soul, your heart, your brain, your liver, and throughout your bones, all the promises of Jacob, of Isaac, and of Abraham are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Mm, we can go to the picture so you understand what the valley is. Valley of decision. When you hear the preaching on valley of decision, just so you know accurately what that is, that is that group in the middle, down in the valley, in between the two mountain ranges. And so when you hear the words augured, you know, might be a little confusing for some. It's a big word. It's a lot of scary sounding things happening. How do I make sure it's not happening to me or my family or my friends? Oh God, oh God, what do I do? Is it already happening to me? Oh no, oh no, I repent. It's better just to kind of, you know, calm down a little bit and just... And let that overwhelming trust of Jesus Christ, your trust in Him. Right? You have to put your whole trust in Him, which means there's going to be a peace as you rest in Him. Not because you're going to be ignorant of the facts, but, you know, knowing and understanding the way things work and how the invisible realities are actually happening. You can walk with the Lamb of God within you, regardless of how far you are down or how far you are up the ladder. At any moment, you can simply return to look at him. You just turn to him. Mm -hmm. Not looking around for him, not looking for him, not trying to remember a thing, da da da. What was the principle? What was my notes? <laughs> but just simply turn to him. He's right there. And just let that overflowing trust come. So when we're talking about augured, I, I noticed this. Let me give you an example just in the workplace of the, the illusion, the delusion that kind of happens. That way you can understand why people think this way. And it can obliterate the more subtle forms in someone who's already a God inside minded believer, just so you know why people kind of think this way. I used to do um, just little experiments and talking to my coworkers, and I'd work in the service industry. And what I found was when you press them a little bit, uh, when you press them, we can go back to us, we'll come back to this picture in a second. 
when you press the individual a little bit, you find out that they believe in this kind of like middle ground. They want to live their lives the way they live and somewhat be agnostic or kind of agree that, yeah, there is a higher power or there's spiritual reality, but they want to believe they can be good apart from God. And that's what it comes down to for most people out there in the workforce, out there in everyday life. So when you are establishing and being firm with them that there is only left or right, there is only, if it's not Satan, it's God, if it's not God, it's Satan, right? Who you're going to serve. And so when you kind of press them like that, you find that they kind of freak out because they want to believe that even though they're not serving God perfectly, that they can be free from devils. Mm. And you find that that's the desire in their delusion. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I never forget that interaction I had at work that day. It, it, stuck, it, it stuck with me the rest of the time through this whole journey. And now I get it. That's the delusion of that kind of middle ground. It's a little bit different for each person, depending on how they want to uh, get the delusion working in the person but once they've embraced that delusion they're not really going to be going after serving god they're going to be thinking i can kind of just be a good person in my own ways that i'm able that i feel like doing right that go with my own code of what do they call it your own code um your own truth you know like this is the code that i live by individual interpretation right of what's good and what's bad which is called forbidden in scripture yeah in the forbidden zone in hell. I think it was kind of surprising to me at first uh, when I heard when I heard that feedback, and the, the individual she got really upset with me when I insisted that no, it's you know, if you're not serving God, you're automatically already serving the other side. They don't like to hear that because they don't want to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they love the darkness, yeah. but they want it to have the appearance of light. So, mm-hmm. but they don't like the idea of serving Satan's because everyone knows mm-hmm. demons are evil. Yeah. And so they want to live in that false reality, right? The blue pill. Let me just live my nice life in the matrix, try to be a decent person, live by my own code, and that's it. Like, don't ask me to do any more than that. I don't want to sacrifice and give up my sins. You know, that's it. (laughs) So what you find when it comes to, let's talk about auguring. What you find when it comes to auguring, there on the left-hand side, you have the enemy kingdom. And we've talked about the matrix. The NPC, which was... What do we say? Non-playable characters down in the valley, gray matter, which is living in your brain, going by what your brain thinks. This is good for your notes. NPC, gray matter, which means you're susceptible to the matrix, means you're just living by what you think in your brain and what you feel in your heart. So, for example, if someone gives an input, they say something to you or they do something to you, and it makes you feel, you're like, they made me feel like this. Then you react based on that feeling. That's you just living an NPC life. Or let's say you've got it in your head. Let's say your father was a certain way to you, or your mother was a certain way to you, or your church you grew up in was a certain way to you. And those beliefs are embedded in your brain. So when someone comes around and acts a certain way, or there's like a shock prophetic, or there's just something that disagrees with how you think in the brain just based on how you were trained for years and years it's ingrained in there it's like it's like the wrong engravings of the other side Mm. you react in your brain based on the knowledge that you already have that you believe 
whether it's a very positive reaction, like, yes, I agree with that because da da da, or no, I know that's not, I was raised this way, and da da da. And we all have those to measurements. So when you're in NPC mode, write this in your notes, when you're in NPC mode, you're sleeping. Now you could be physically awake and still be sleeping. How many of you understand that? You could be awake, but still sleeping. That's autopilot mode, usually, like autopilot. You shift into gear, it's comfortable. Remember, the comfort zone is the danger zone. Why? Because when you go to sleep spiritually, you, you, you revert back to the NPC mode, and it although it's less uh, frequent, it can also happen on the sapphire stones. You need to stay awake and pray, right? Even when they were in proximity, physical proximity to Jesus's Kabbalah, his oral tradition, right? He told his friends, the disciples who became the apostles, to you I speak openly and plainly, but to the crowds I speak in parables and riddles. What do we know what was one of the parables and riddles when they had it written down? This is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. We've taught and we've learned from the Holy Spirit. Now that's the prayer, how to get into the sun and, mm-hmm. and the, right, the, the kingdom, Malkut, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that amen lands you into the sun. And that's a pattern for the lightning path to return, to start your journey back to the Father. And then in the big picture, we saw that it was, you know, the big picture, Malkut, Asai represents Asaya. You look at it in a world view, as in the worlds that God created from Asaya, you know, the kingdom, and then the power, Yetzira, and the glory, Berea, forever and ever, that world where you start to taste eternity, the eminence of God for the first time, uh, absolute, uh, forever and ever, and then Amen, that's the Yachita, right, Keter. So for the first part of your journey, it's just about getting into the sun, but in the big picture, the Lord's Prayer, that part there, is about returning and getting the Yachita. And so, really good stuff. So he's speaking in parables, so that's why when most people read the things that Jesus said, they don't really understand the depth of what he was talking about, because it has to be a sapphire stone interpretation for the eternal covenant meaning to come forth, which is kingdom age realities, which is hidden until kingdom age, which is now. (laughs) Amen. So when you're talking about something like what kingdom you serve, we talked about, you know, the girl I talked to at work back then and how they want to live in that false reality. You've got the valley down here. When they are in NPC mode, they're down in the valley, which means down on Isaiah, Malkut of Isaiah. There's different levels of awareness and susceptibility to being influenced by spirits. That could be holy angels from God's kingdom. You'll see, even if someone's in NPC mode, right, they're a believer, they're going faithfully to the church. Might be a doghouse, there's probably some siphoning and witchcraft going on there, but God sees the heart, and they were truly, purely seeking him. And by going to that church, although it is in a doghouse in the valley, now they've stopped fornicating, now they stop drinking alcohol. There's progress. God's concerned with your progress. He's interested in you making progress. Does he want that person to stay there and eventually get the life sucked out of them by the Jezebelic witchcraft? No, of course not. But as long as you're making progress and you're growing, it's not so much Mm -hmm. about the situation or the place that you're in. It's about who you're becoming on the inside, which is more like Christ. So what happens when you are down in the valley, 
some people they'll go to church for a while remember they'll be they'll feel on fire they'll be into the word mm. and then they kind of drop off then they're kind of like uh they can't really maintain why <laughs> because they started to make progress and then the other demons in the valley started to try and hinder the progress and they don't have a lot of firepower again they're in the valley they get together in groups that can help that's a protection and like that herd mentality there is some protection in that if you were just going to go off and be on your own and go back into the temptation of fornication and alcohol then of course you're better just being in a church in a doghouse with at least a group that they can at least pray together and bible study together and at least you're not going all the way back into that slime but what's going to make it even worse is if they just get into self-righteousness of religion and start fornicating with demons while claiming christianity that's even worse than the people at the bar so you see God weighs the heart. It's not just always about what you see on the outside happening. What you see on the outside happening can tell you a story, but the perspective of God is so much different than our perspective. That's why it's important not to judge on appearances, how people appear. You don't really know, unless God tells you or reveals it to you, you don't really know what God's working on the inside of that person. They might not be in a place to handle the next revelation. So let's say one of these people in the gray matter in the valley they're getting really close to being able to get to top of Malkut, which is where they would prepare to go cosmic. But there's just a couple of strongholds left in their mind and in their heart, preventing them from receiving that revelation. Hi. Little kitty. <laughs> you got a little visitor over here. Hi, baby. Hi. Oh, yeah. So, in that case, if someone comes along and they know more truth than the person who's still kind of in NPC mode, but they're making progress. If someone comes along and just like beats them up with the truth, mm. that will completely shut them down from going cosmic. And now you're being an enemy of God, even though you know more truth than they do. Now you're just being a jackass with revelation. <laughs> like that whole, that whole Sephiroth, it's meant to be a plow, plowshare. It's a sword, yes. It's a sword. But it's not meant to be used to do harm to God's people. Remember the sapphire stick that, that uh, we've talked about this in the master class? The sapphire stick, what was it for Adam? He used it to plow the ground. It's for gardening. It's for, you know, fruits and vegetables and growing trees and planting things. Living things that grow. So when it was given to Moses and they do all the signs, wonders, miracles, the original function of the sephirot, the sapphire stick, is for gardening. That's its original purpose. Yeah, it's a sword of the spirit and you do war and all this stuff. That's essential. But the original purpose that was given to Adam was to plow the earth. Now, I was reading uh, the book of Enoch today. It talks about those, you know, fu those futuristic glorious times. Mm. And it says in that time that the earth would be tilled in righteousness, which means what? You see that giant Sephirot over Malkut of Isaiah? We're going to use it very much in a similar way as Adam originally used it. It's the original intention. That's when you turn the, the, what do you call them, the swords and things into the pruning hooks and the plowshare, and you're literally going to use it to make the earth fruitful and full of life again instead of full of death. So, you know, cosmic harvester, glory, and... Uh, John Deere. It basically rakes the mm -hmm. sin and demons out of the whole earth into the abyss. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Amen. So, yeah, it's going to be really cosmic gardening is what the Father is most interested in. He's really interested in this season in growing trees of righteousness, the orchard of, you know, Shekinah, and um, is really interested in growing up white roses. That's the most pleasing fragrance of that offering of purity is really going to be those white roses of those of you who are learning cosmic righteousness now so you can grow up seven worlds high. And it's so important to stay within the sapphire stones and never give up and always repent from demonic emotions and demonic thoughts. Just remind yourself, nobody in heaven even really thinks like that or talks like that or just feels like that. And just to remind yourself of your goal. What are your goals? Your goal is to be pleasing to the Father. What's pleasing to the Father? Growing up into a white rose, which means you're going to receive the circumcisions as you go up. Everything else is usually just some kind of demonic distraction or just some other worthless thing. And uh, it's just not worth your time. So just keep reminding yourself of your goals. Your goal is to live a life pleasing to the Father. And they had this, let's see here. On the Sephirot, where the word of God is a sword. Now, how is it that believers down in the valley have any uh, sword? Every perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights above, Father of spirits. So that bright light on the right-hand side, he sends gifts down. The deposit of the Holy Spirit. Let's say you get baptized in the Holy Spirit or even just born again. You believe in his word. And to the measure you believe in his word in the Bible, that's the ability of the sword of your mouth. It's the words that you speak. So the less tainted your words are with, you know, anger towards others or jealousy or um, murder and strife or lust and pride and all these other things, those things dull your sword because what comes out of a man is what pollutes him. So you eat the fruit of your own lips, which means however you're speaking toward others, that's how you're, you're going to eat that. It's going to cut you either for circumcision or for damage. And so that's why you want to be careful how you're speaking and what manner you're speaking toward others, right? And if it's too tempting or if it's just too, you know, too much for you to handle, there's always uh, silence is usually good, right? That old adage of if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. Sometimes that is the best thing to do. And it's much better to have the gevra of restraint until you can speak in wisdom and not in the flesh. Just know where you're at and what's going to be the most beneficial for the people or the person that you're dealing with, what's going to bless them the most? Are your words going to come back and do harm to them or to you? Are you giving, are there fallen angels standing around waiting to see what you're responding? Are they going to take your words and then later accuse them or someone else with it? That's why I never gossip because there's always going to be those spirits that try to tune in, when, especially when you're talking with believers. And if you start you know, cursing someone with your mouth or judging someone or gossiping, even in a way that's like disguised as like a prayer request, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the number one way of like Moloch's gossiping club or Pan's labyrinth gossiping club is talking about other believers in the form and the guise of a prayer request. There's a lot of fire on that. So, oh, we just pray for whoever. They're just da 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 da. You know, it can be subtle. So just be very careful. Sometimes it's better just to conceal a thing and just pray for it in secret because when your father sees how you handled it in secret he'll reward you openly right you don't need to get a bunch of people together to pray for so-and-so's little problems uh 
that's just going to be ammunition for demons. What you'll want to do is be an advocate in the heavenlies for the believers so that when you're praying on their behalf, it doesn't sound like accusations and more fodder for accusers, but remember the good things they've done. So if someone's being really irritating or annoying or they're being really rude or they're just manifesting in general, you want to go see if there's any good things that you can remember or find about the person and bring forth those scrolls of remembrance. Like remember when they helped you. Remember when they did a good deed. Remember when they helped you when you were in need. And put away any of the offense or the sin or the irritation of that whatever moment and understand that the sin of the believers, especially those rising in righteousness, it's just them for a moment. You want to be like God. God puts away sins. He's very quick. If there's a bunch of stuff going on in the heavenlies and accusations against someone, even if there's just one person, like one angel or one believer, praying on their behalf or remembering something good that they've done, that's going to far outweigh, oftentimes, what all those enemy voices are doing. So it's very good to have even just one person speaking on your behalf. You could be that person uh, for a friend or a believer. Never be so offended with your brothers and sisters in Christ that you can't advocate for them, even in the midst of when they're annoying to you or they manifested toward you or hurt you, and that's how you can be like Christ, right? That's the actual cross, the way of the cross. And why is that? You trust Jesus. You trust his ways. You trust that it's not going to damage you or harm you or leave you with less than because all things work out for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So it's all going to work out for your good anyway if you trust in Jesus and trust in his ways, which is the way of the cross, right? So you always want to be an advocate for the believers and never accuser. So let's go back to the, uh, the augury thing. Now we talked about, like I gave the example from my workspace, how they want to believe that they can do their own good thing apart from either kingdom, right? That's delusion. We talked about how some believers have good things coming down, but there's mixture because again, they're living in the valley. They haven't gone up. They're still living under the shadow of the church of Jezebel. Now, how, how does a sorcerer augur? On the left-hand side, you'll have someone doing sorcery, someone doing wickedness. How do all angels, whether fallen or good, which means by good I mean holy, and they serve Yadhe Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, all influence of spirits upon people depends on someone in flesh and blood at an elevation, whether that's for the kingdom of evil or the kingdom of holiness. So what do I mean by that? Let's talk about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You had the three guys who were thrown into the furnace. One of the mysteries in the verse there is that Daniel, when he was praying, right, he wasn't in the furnace, right? But he was he was a man of righteousness. A man in very high standing with God. He understood uh, he understood the Holy Kabbalah. And you can look through the book of Daniel and you'll see those mysteries in there. He was a man of righteousness. So much so that he actually had dominion over all the sorcerers of that left-hand side in Babylon which means his heights on sapphire stones outweighed those of the sorcerers in Babylon because they, they didn't have anything on him. 
They had to contrive some way to accuse him, and even then they couldn't kill him. But his heights, what did he do? He was The Lord showed me this. He showed me Daniel interceding and praying as he always did. And based on his righteousness in the Old Testament, Old Testament Kabbalah, Old Testament righteousness, which is Torah, it enabled, because you have to have a flesh and blood vessel on the earth, it enabled him as a conduit for angels to be sent to rescue them. Now, when Abraham was rescued from the furnace, that was based on him walking in righteousness. And so their their salvation and their righteousness uh, that Daniel was walking in, those were his heights. So it's important that you're going to be praying for others as you rise in righteousness. He's not just looking out for himself, he's praying for his friends. Okay. So, yeah, flesh and blood. There always has to be flesh and blood as a conduit for either side. Why isn't all these things just happening automatically and it takes people doing something? Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ had to come into the flesh to accomplish what he did. Then he sent his spirit, firstborn of many. He's expecting you in flesh and blood alive now, right? When you talk to people in heaven, anyone who's talked to the heavenly witnesses, the cloud of witnesses of Hebrews 12, people get caught up, they go to heaven. Sometimes they'll see people who've already departed. They're in heaven. And what is their report? Usually it's, you know, they did this and they did that. But guess what? Now it's your time on the earth. Why can't they do in heaven now that they've died and left their bodies and they're in heaven? Why can't they just do it? It has to be flesh and blood, flesh and bone on the earth. Now is your time. The dominion is given to man. So then whoever man chooses to serve has dominion. So it's your time now. It's not just for, don't wait just for the next generation. Don't just count on, you know, everyone who's already in heaven. They've had their turn to do what they were going to do with the life that they were given. This is the life that you're given on the earth. And now is a testing ground to see what you're going to do with it. And this all has to do with the final judgment upon the fallen angels, what mankind eventually decides to do. So it's on an individual basis, but there's also on a corporate basis, and all these things are going to be... It's it's like the whole culmination of the drama of time, you know, within time. That in God's fullness of his wisdom, at the end of it, everyone's going to see the manifold wisdom of God in uh, his just destruction of the fallen angels with all their elaborate arguments against God and it's just going to come to nothing for them and so that's just going to put them to shame and throw them into the eternal abyss forever and it's going to be God showing his wisdom through these vessels of clay how he accomplished all these things it's just going to blow everyone's mind and uh, it's going to be amazing so it it's a conduit so We already know now, did it come from God or did it come from man? And when they say, did it come from man, you know, they're talking about devils, right? We've already established that. Does everyone already understand that? Did it come from God? Did it come from man? So what's animating someone's flesh and blood? If the blood is unclean, there's a mixture there of being animated by something unclean. Whose impulse, whose will, when you feel a desire, a thought, or a belief system that you have in the head, the brain, or in the heart. Which kingdom, which side did that come from? 
and which one do you follow? So if you feel the feelings of the wrong one, but you choose to go against your own thought and your own feelings for the sake of Christ, that is the cross. That means you're going against your own innate feelings, thoughts, and emotions that you think is right, and you sacrifice that for what God is saying is right and what he's saying is righteousness. Whether or not it agrees with how you think, how you feel, and what you believe. Because if there's uncleanness in there, with if you're on Malkut of Isaiah, there's already wrong things believed in there. There's already uncleanness in there. So you're learning to sacrifice what you think and what you know on the altar of burning, on the altar of the Holy Spirit of fire, the Holy Spirit and fire of Jesus Christ. So that's the way of the cross. Even though I don't understand, and even though I feel the opposite maybe, I can choose to sacrifice that to do what's right because I know that these are God's sent ones, this is the message, it's working for others who are laying down their lives, you know, greater love has no one than this to lay down your own life, your own thoughts, feelings, and opinions and emotions to serve yad heh vav -Hey. We're learning his ways. It does not come natural to you to love. We're learning how to love. That comes at the cost of the selfishness. Okay. So anyone who's animated by, let me say it like this, anyone who is animated in their body has to have a spiritual substance behind it. So for every action and every word and every deed, there's a spirit behind it. Which means was it could have been a holy angel. Did your holy angel say, hey, remember to do this. And then you did it. Or you talked to God and he gave you something to say or to do. The Holy Spirit led you to say something. Or for other people, they thought it was the Holy Spirit. But it came with all the anxiety and the anger and the paranoia and the fear. Fear of losing my things to other believers and losing my destiny. That's how you know you're in witchcraft prayer, right? Because you're only concerned about your selfishness. How everyone can bless me and refresh me, and it's all just selfishness, right? John, he said, uh, John the Baptist, he said, whose sandals I'm unworthy to stoop down and untie. And then you have Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. When I got caught up into the heavenly vision of the wedding of the end, he stooped down at my feet and he put sandals on my feet. <laughs> How humble is God? He's mm. so humble. We're un we might be unworthy to untie his sandals, especially in the prophetic, mm. right? The river prophetic. When we're on Malkut of Isaiah, we're unworthy to untie his sandals. But one of the promises of the Sephirot going up is you will become beautiful and you will become worthy which is the beauty of holiness. The worthiness, the worthiness of the son of Amran, the worthiness of the priesthood, it's given to you as a son of God as you go up sapphire stones. The merit of righteousness and the unmerited grace of Jesus Christ flowing down. You use the unmerited grace to rise. So you're receiving that thing that you know you can't do this without him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But with him, you can do all things. And so you go and do it. And then you merit. So there's the merit of righteousness. But at the same time, you understand and agree that without him, you can do nothing. So mm -hmm. understanding the truth. So with that being said, when an enemy comes around, if they influence you, 
anything that's around you higher than you or at the level of you and it tries to influence you or familiars, that's when you're being augured. So the, what is the what do we talk about conduits in the flesh and blood? Someone standing on the heights of the sapphire stones. So whether it's the enemy kingdom or the kingdom of righteousness. So on the left, you have sorcerers, magicians, wizards, which is... So imagine Balaam red sorcery on the left. What do they use to augur the people down there? Do they go down there? No. They stay at their height of black sephirah. What do they send? Right, because they're people of authority, under authority, and if they send a demon, it goes and does what it's supposed to do. Right? They have demonic authority. But what, what did Jesus speak of his kingdom? You know, uh, the man of great faith he saw, the centurion. I've never seen great faith like this. What did he say? I'm a man of authority and I'm under authority. I say to this man, go, and he does it. You know, it's authority to send and to receive instructions. So both enemy sephirot, enemy sorcerers, they have authority. They're under authority and they have authority to send they say a thing and they go and do it. Who carries it out? Demons. In the kingdom of righteousness, you have the men and the women of righteousness on sapphire stones. That's being, remember, exousia, authority. Bob Jones talked about the importance of exousia. That means when you speak, you're speaking with the Father speaking. And when it's the Father's lightning will, that's when the lightning comes down the sapphire stones and an angel carries it and does it and it's done. But if you're still out there trying to do your own will, now you're getting into the black sephirah and you're pretty much just like the sorcerers, the wizards over there on the left side. So that's why he said, I only say what I see my, I only say what the father is saying and then he only does what the father is doing. What does he use the father doing? Because that's authority in the kingdom. Anytime it's your own ideas, your own will, apart from the father's will, that's when there's no authority, there's no power. Or you've gotten into sending demonic powers, thinking that they're angels. Now you're in cosmic deception. So you don't want to have that. It has to be, Father, your will be done, right? Your will be done. The Lord's Prayer. Go through the Lord's Prayer and understand. Even Jesus, before dying on the cross, he had to fight his own desire, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. If this cup can be taken from me, if it can be done another way, you know. But that's it. It had to be done. He was willing to do what had to be done, even though it didn't feel great to him. So what you have down in the valley is you have people who are going to be receiving messengers from the left and from the right. You've got people walking in righteousness sending angels. You've got people walking in unrighteous wickedness of Balaam sorcery, Johnny's Jamboree's, and Balaam sorcery, red, white, and black magic. And they're sending demons. And they're all getting funneled into the valley of decision. That's where the Lord's interest is, interest is in harv harvesting the people to deliver them from the augury of sorcery. Now, what did it say in the book of Enoch? It says about the fallen angels, the watchers, they fornicated with women. What is that? Souls. In prophetic understanding the language of wisdom, they fornicated with souls. So the people on the left on their black sephirah, what's the difference between us on our sephirah and them? 
when they augur and they send demons, they also fornicate with the souls. So they use their soul to enjoy the refreshment of the souls in the valley by mixing their soul. On sapphire stones, when we talk about emanation, why does it, why is it a lot of sexual connotation, right? Male and female. We talked about uh, male is the emanation. Female is the receiving. That's, that's what the um, reproductive organs and the reproductive process is based on. Sapphire stone emanations and receiving. If that didn't exist, there could be no male and female. It's the structure, how it was made. He made them male and female. So when you have it made in the flesh, that's what that is. That's a mystery of sapphire stones. So what do you have here? We have souls down there. Now, instead of the enemy sending angels, they send demons. So the demons fornicate with the souls, but they also take captive their souls. And they use the enlargement of their souls on both black sephirot to enjoy the souls and the fornication with the souls by emanating their souls and their sapphire stones into them. That's fornication on black sephirot. What's the difference between their kingdom and our kingdom? On the sapphire stones, you do no harm to wisdom. You're not like the fallen angels fornicated with souls. The sexual purity of the high realms of the sephirot is the pure hatred toward Molech and his fornication with souls and the fallen angel and fallen watchers fornication with souls, which means that sexual emanation, right, of Yasad, Hakma, Bina, Tiferet, uh, Yasad, Malkut, Shekinah, you, you don't harm the bride, you don't touch the bride. The bride of Christ, the, the only emanation you're going to have with anyone's soul in that way, whether it's body, soul, or spirit, is if God gives you one person as a spouse, whether it's with your sapphire stone body, your invisible bodies, your invisible soul layers, or your physical body, you're pure and you only partake in that with the one person God gave to you. If he gives you a spouse and that's it. You receive emanations from God and your God-given spouse. That's it. Anything else God considers to be fornication, idolatry, immorality with demons. So what's the difference? When we stand on the right-hand side, we send angel messengers of the Shekinah glory. And it's the spirit of Jesus himself with no mixture of our own self or our own souls emanating and touching the souls of the people. Otherwise, we would step over, without even knowing it, into the Black Sephirot and become the greatest warlocks of all time. That's the temptation of the high rungs. So, this may sound like something high, but if you can feel the Shekinah glory on the words and the weight of the Kavad behind it, you can just receive it and trust that God will show you and teach you in that way, to be holy as he is holy and separate. So we hate the ways of the fallen watchers. When they augur, they send demons. The demons fornicate with the souls. When we send angels, the holy angels, they do not fornicate with the souls. They give a holy message. As pure as Gabriel to Mary, 
in the preaching of the cosmic gospel. As holy as Prince Uriel and Michael that stand in the awe and the fear of God. And they send the, the word, the message, the lightning of God. Mm. And it's the very spirit of Jesus himself that emanates into the person without the angel fornicating with the person and without the person in the flesh and blood on earth who's being the conduit without them putting their own souls into emanating into their souls. Otherwise, that's called fornication and not righteousness. So on the left-hand side, they send demons. The demon fornicates with the soul and sends the word from Satan. And the sorcerer pours out their soul emanations of their sapphire stones into those souls. And they enjoy the refreshment of souls as soulish, cosmic, sapphire stone fornication, which is usually going to be something done by red sorcery. Balaam, uh, typical of Moloch and the high heights of the tabernacle of Moloch. As is written, the silver and gold is mine, says the Lord. So the silver and gold that comes forth through those saints in the higher realms is the Lord. He is the Ruah and the Neshama, the silver and the gold. So, and it, but again, your Ruah is not the Ruah of God, the Ruach HaKadosh. And your Neshama is not the Neshama of God. What did we learn about the mirror? Why is it that the people went into the golden calf sin of idolatry? In the 2000s, why did this happen again? With the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, lots of baptisms. Because the believers were deceived into thinking their own Ruah, soul, the silver of their own raw soul was the silver of God. It was not. It's the mirror. Your soul is the mirror that reflects the Ruach HaKadosh. It is not God. When you use your own Ruach soul as God, and you try to put your own Ruach into other people, that is cosmic fornication of the tabernacle of Moloch. That's where... The charismatic church has gone astray in serving their own Ruah. Your own Ruah is not the Ruach HaKadosh. It's a layer of soul that has the capability of reflecting him as it's circumcised and kept clean. And when you receive a, the Nishama, the gold of God, your Nishama is not, the, is not God. If you try to put your Nishama as an emanation into another soul, you are now a fornicator, a cosmic fornicator of the tabernacle of Moloch. Your neshama is meant to be a pure and holy spotless mirror to reflect the neshama of God. Who will God entrust souls to? Those who will not be like the fornications, the fornicators of cosmic unrighteousness of the left-hand side, who send demons and who send their own soul to penetrate and emanate through that sapphire stone design to take pleasure and be refreshed by souls that's cosmic fornication only the holy and the pure and the righteous will receive the inheritance those who will not touch his bride be faithful with little and he will give you much 
to rise in the heights of sapphire stones. And a weeks without end, you must hate. You must hate every word of Moloch. You must hate every word of Satan. You must hate every word of Pan and his labyrinth. And if you can feel the weight of the, the Kavad and the Shekinah on these words, you know you've heard the truth today. Amen. No need to know where you're going to go. Keep memorizing the worlds and consecrating yourself to righteousness. Come up here. The door to the multiverse. These are the principles that you'll need to understand and embrace to enter into the door of the multiverse. Primordial written Torah. The name of Yad Hevavhe be blessed from now until eternity. This is a good little review here. We talked about this yesterday. Your below realm starts as Malkut, the above realm as the Sephirot. And then it becomes the Sephira is the below world. That's the repentance of the age to come. And the above world the world of God. The eighth week. Adam Kadmon, the primordial man, ninth week, Ein Sof, or tenth week is Ein Sof, and what is that last one? Infinity. Weeks without end. After this, it is written, there will be weeks without end. And we left off here. I'm going to take a look. So you can see. I told you I'd try to make a little picture for you so you could understand. When the below world is now the Sephirot, and then the above world, represented in these rings here. The Sephirot is not the end. It's weeks without end, so it's those aspects of God going on and on without end, but after the seventh world, there's no more structure. The seventh world, the top, is the generator, the structure of the Sephirot. That is the generator of the power of the seven worlds, worlds one through seven. But the apex, the apex of the Yad of the name of God, that breath of the mouth, Keter, where you receive the Yachita, the Yachita called the Unique One, the White Rose, the Lamb. That's the first world 
in which there's no structure. That's why you'll see the overlap of that outermost ring with the white rose. The next ring, the next rung, the ninth world, the completely unique one, or the, the red rose, that's the last the last and the first <laughs> how do you say it? The Yachita the Lamb on that intersection where that rung, that ring, that outermost circle connects with the Yachita. That eighth week. That's when you step into the singularity of Christ. I don't know if you studied outer space or black holes or maybe you watch space movies and you, they always talk about you know, the singularity what would happen they always hypothesize what will happen when you step into that singularity it's not a black hole it's the infinite light of Jesus Christ the man the singularity himself Jesus Christ who came in the flesh that's why the eighth week even though Keter it's technically a sapphire stone Keter is the top it's so hidden, so concealed, that whole world, there's no structure like the Sephirot of Absolute. Because you entered the singularity of Christ. That's when the door of the multiverse opens to you as you enter into that realm. So it's a part of that next world, but it's the connector piece to the Sephirot. Right in between realms. It's more of God, more truth, more love, more humility. Unfathomable until you enter. Now Jesus Christ, when he walked in ten weeks on the earth, what did most of the religious leaders think of him? Just a guy, right? Just a person? He's firstborn of many. I'll put this like here so you can understand. Keter, Adam, Kadma on the eighth week. Ein, Sof, Or, the ninth week. The Red Rose. And we have a nice mystery box there, that's Einsoff, that's the 10th week. And what is that one above it or beyond it or within it? Because higher is always more inward in, into God, deeper into him. Closer to him. If Absolute is near to the light, Adam Kadmon the Yachita soul is one with the light. And you just continue to go deeper within. There's always more. And we have this. You might remember some of this from the master class. The heart of David.
If you remember, 88 keys divided between four worlds, 22 keys each, representing 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet in those seven worlds of the generator. You look at the 88 keys of the piano, which prophesies the octaves of the worlds, or the octaves of the worlds of the song of creation. Seven spirits of God flooding through seven worlds. We talked in the master class and then in Joel's bars earlier this year what that next part of the keyboard that's not listed. What's that C8? You see that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you C7. What's that C8, the beginning of? Eighth world, Adam Kadmon, the singularity of Christ, the Lamb, the repentance of the world to come. You start partaking in the repentance of the world to come by world six. That's when you first begin that. We have the Song of Moses, Absolute Berea, Yetzira, and Messiah. That is the Song of Moses. And then you have the Song of the Lamb. How are you going to know the Song of Moses and the Lamb? A fully grown white rose crowned in the seventh world to step into the eighth world, you'll know and begin to know not just the Song of Moses, but the Song of the Lamb, which is eternity of eternities, the Alpha and Omega. Give the all of the breath of his mouth. The Yachita, the red rose of Sharon, is the Einsoff, or the mystery cube. You can take your guess to what it is. I just it's concealed for now. I wanted to put a mystery box and they just happened to have one that matched the color scheme and I thought that was pretty cool. The yellow mystery boxes are usually the ones in Yetsura. You know, the little yellow Mar- Mario mystery boxes. Yeah. Like Asaya and Yetsura mysteries are in that. But I thought it was cool they made this one because it totally matches. And then, you know, you've always been wondering since you were a kid what that Rubik's Cube was all about. It was a conspiracy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is, that is the Ein, which is just simply weeks without end of the Book of Enoch. The song goes on and on. You know, this is a song that never ends. It just goes on. You know, lambkin, a little lamb chop. Okay. Okay. Everything prophesying. So the song, by the time you have your Chaya, you'll have the primordial Torah for Moses, the tablets, and then going into the Yachita and beyond is the Song of the Lamb, which is the eternal Torah. Oh yeah, and for musicians, 
uh, if you wanted to make songs based off of this, if you remember the Sephiroth, we have the C, D, E, F, G, B, A on the Sapphire Stones. Keep the Sapphire Stone placement of those letters, but you can alternate them. They start, I think the charts that we have, I can't remember if it starts at the top or the bottom, but if it's a song uh, that you want to be like you singing up to God, in the perspective of the song has to do with you adoring God, praises going up, thanksgiving going up, you'll start the notes from Malkut as C, right? C, D, uh, C, D, E, F, G, B, A, and it's an ascension song. If it's from a song made from the perspective of the Father singing over you, or the angel singing down, something from the above coming down, then you'll start with C at the top at Keter, C, D, E, F, G, B, A, it's a song coming down. So you just inverse, inverse it whichever way the song is going. Okay. And uh, on top of that, if there's a specific attribute that the song has or it's going to have, or if you've been seeing a specific sapphire stone or a planet name, look at that planet name and see what note it is and you can go with the <coughs> chords from there okay for musicians i really want some new sapphire stone music so please do make some okay okay i think that's it for these Yeah. It's time to ascend worlds. And part of doing that is understanding that you need to stay awake spiritually. Understand that every time you have an emotion or a feeling or a desire to speak, try to look to see not so much why you feel the way about why you feel as someone did this, someone did that. Right? Jesus had every reason to be upset and angry, but he was more concerned about the spirit that was the substance animating the people behind that. And what was his word on the cross? Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So the life of the cross, understand if your family's met, um, what do you call it, uh, reacting, if your family is reacting to you wanting to go up the sapphire stones, or your friends, or your coworkers, or your prior, you know, your support groups, understand that when you start to go up sapphire stones, that triggers the enemy to use them while they're in NPC mode. They don't really see it like you might see it and know that, oh my gosh, the demons are manifesting because I'm about to go up. So when you're about to go up, it may be people around you reacting negatively, like you're making them feel like this or that, or how come you can't be worried about what's important right now, this thing, we have to deal with it, but you're supposed to go up. Understand that when they're in that deception, they're not thinking clearly or seeing that heavenly perspective, they're just and under the Leviathan twisting of what you did or your lack of concern for their natural stuff is hurting their feelings. 
Uh, but that happens. But just understand that if you go up, then you can start to take care of things and you'll be helping. You'll be helpful to the apostleship, to the plans of God for your life. And you'll actually be, even though your family might protest to it, you'll actually be helping them more by going up to where you can release what? Angelic power. Just on your terms, whatever you feel like doing, no. What God is saying, what God is doing. Beyond our understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. I just understand my family needs this. Okay. God has wisdom. People can appear to be having all the right things. Externally. Even following after RLM and this and that. Doing the right thing. But I did this. But I did that. God sees the heart. So, you just want to focus on getting the circumcisions, doing the right thing, and turn that sapphire sword into its original intent, which is to plow the whole earth. We're going to till the whole earth in righteousness. So, zeal righteousness with knowledge, not sword. zeal without knowledge. Zeal with the knowledge of the Father's will of how to use the tools correctly. <laughs> Reminds me of how King David, he didn't even use the Goliath sword for a decade. He put it in a warehouse and he grew up later on when he was like in his 20s and then went to that warehouse where he had stored Goliath's sword for a decade and finally began wielding it even though it was his sword. But he was not old enough or mature enough to use the tools for the Father's will till much later on. It's mm -hmm. true with all the things of God today. He'll often deposit things in seed form before we even know how to use them because we gain the wisdom and the heart for His will as we use it incorrectly. And then we receive the correction and now it's used correctly. And then the Father is raising up sons and daughters and that's really how He fathers us. Amen. I want to share this with you from uh, Catherine Kuhlman. They showed me this today. Hey. Let's see. Yeah, this is nice. We're talking about uh, the sapphire stones are a sword, right? We talked about the believer's sword. You, they receive that deposit when they're down in the valley still in the church. You start you know, having your choice to serve God or Satan, and then you make your way up the mountain, and then you can go cosmic as you receive circumcision, which means loving God's ways instead of your own ways, and, you know, receiving correction, right? That's pretty much how it goes. Um, but the more that God entrusts you with, he's expecting you to not use it against other believers, right? That's what goes down on the valley. You notice there's a lot of believers stabbing each other, attacking each other. Bob Jones talked about it all the time. Uh, it's a common thing. People just attack each other. Instead of attacking, uh, let me see. This picture is so helpful here. <laughs> you got to see this. Okay. Instead of attacking, so the goal is to attack that giant nasty thing on the left. That's the whole point, is 
destroy that thing. But because people are in the valley, it's all everyone stabbing each other, either over the office heights, right? Throwing you under the bus at work, trying to climb the ladder of success. Be nice to each other until it comes to their time. Who's going to be promoted? Well, you know, it's me versus you now. And it's like that in church, too. Like, people think that getting promoted in God's kingdom is like being promoted in Satan's kingdom. That's where, like, when someone gets promoted, they start getting offended. Or they're like, that was supposed to be mine. No, 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 no. Like, okay, we're supposed to get up the sapphire stones and destroy that thing on the left. And we're supposed to do it together as a group for minimal casualties, minimal losses. Like to have that zero, ideally, like zero casualty army because everyone's actually with the program. Where people get it wrong is they see someone up on the sapphire stones on the right. If you're used to seeing people at heights and the only ones you know and heights are in the black sephirot or at the top of Jezebel's churches, then there's PTSD and you expect the apostles on sapphire stones on the right to be the same way. So then if you react to correction, you think, oh my gosh, they're going to do what they did to me, and da-da-da. That's the enemy using trauma and PTSD. So we want to get that healed. And as you go up the sapphire stones and you understand what's expected of you by God to change, to continue rising, there's always going to be some opportunity from the enemy. Every sphere you go up, there's an invitation from the enemy to come out to the other side. So... Some of you, you'll go up and you go up pretty easy and then you hit a certain rung and then now you're like, oh my gosh, the enemy's offering all this and that and that. And just like, you know what, just keep going up. It's It gets a lot better the higher you go. Don't just, you know, people are amazed at the moon, moon level. Yeah, it's amazing. It's completely different. You're a completely different creature now. But for all the old to burn up and to become who you're going to be in Christ, you got to keep going. Don't stop at world six. Don't stop. I'm going to say don't stop at world seven. Don't stop at world nine. Let's just keep going. You know, one day at a time. So the whole point is get up the sapphire stones on the right hand side there and go up high enough that you can completely destroy on the left. Now, God has so much power. He could just do it like that without even thinking hardly. He would just impulse of his, I want that gone. Blazing lightning. dead but why doesn't he do it because this is the eternal trial of the ages going on this is like this is like the longest court case ever (laughs) and you know he wants to see his sons be restored and the fallen angels go into the eternal trash can so no matter what happens the fallen angels are going into the eternal trash can the abyss that's already been judged decided the gavel's been slammed it's done that's going to happen so why isn't it happening right away what has to be done because god wanted to forgive the sons he wanted to forgive his newest creation he wants that multitude on his side there mm-hmm. and if he got rid of mm-hmm. that clip of the side the valley of decision in the middle that's connected to it would go down with those devils and you'd have no harvest. Exactly. So it's too much pain to just lose all those people, which is why the clippeth works overtime to get all the people clipped or to get them in NPC mode, sleeper mode. Even if you go up the Sapphire Stones, they'll try to put you just like sleep so that you go back into old habits and or you just stay at a certain rung. You have to keep 
going. You can't just keep going because you want to. You have to get the full circumcision of that rung and total obedience to God and that rung and then go to the next one, you know, properly. Which means don't grow weary in well-doing. Every day, that's what you do. If at any moment we come out and we start getting into like, you know, Molech or Pan or whatever kind of deception of like goodness, it's always, usually the enemy stuff, it'll always come in like this weird freak out mode of, but we're going to lose everything. This is why we always lose everything and da da da. It'll be like, this always happens to me. Why does everyone's always blah, blah, blah against me? If you start thinking like that, you're, they're already clipping you. You need to just stop and get back into peace. Like, do you think it's, do you think it's hard for God to have a harvest? No. It's not hard. But is God going to give a harvest if there's not the maturity or the heights to handle it? If all the harvest came in, all in just a second, where's all the workers, the helpers, just barely struggling? Here, come over here with us. We're struggling to dangle from the moon barely, right? You're supposed to be the helpers. So God's waiting on you to go up. You got to go up so you can help others. But if it's all just about you, 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 and your problems and da, 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 is, can God, God wants to know, can he count on you to go up, to stop being selfish and stop making it about you and your own problems and just like, you know, I believe you, God. Now I'm going to go up. You know that you believe God when you go up. You're believing God when you make progress. That means if you're on the bottom rung of Malkut, you're coming out of Black Malkut, you're going up. You're making progress. Every day, make progress. Make progress. Even if it's that first circumcision and it's painful to you, make progress on that circumcision every day. Give it your best. Give it your all. He said, you will seek me and find me when? When you seek me with all your heart. So God wants to get the helpers ready to be able to help steward thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. He needs consecration. How are you going to stand up against Molech and Jezebel temptations if you go back into old sin patterns, having once died to it and then go to try and put on the old grave clothes? God's not going to do it. He'll just wait for the next generation who are actually going to be all on board in holiness, cosmic holiness, all the way up through 11 weeks and beyond, and they can do it. That's not a problem. He'll do that if he has to. Don't think it's like all on you or nothing. Everybody thinks like that. Why? Selfishness. Oh, we're predestined for it. Whatever. Out of these rocks, he could raise up somebody else to do it if you won't walk in perfect holiness. It's not, it's not hard. He wants to know who in this generation is going to love his ways and hate the ways on the other side. That's it. So he wants you to do it. It's not, don't think like, oh, God's getting rid of me. No, he wants you to do it. You just have to listen and obey. That's it. It's not really that difficult. We make it difficult when we're in our heads and we think and we want, well, we just want this and we want that. It's like every charismatic pagan church YouTube channel when I was unsubscribing the other night. It's all like harvest, God's harvest, and you can almost see their like fangs. It's just disgusting. Ugh. Like, yeah, they can't wait to harvest a billion in souls. And it's just, it's so horrible. I don't even like to talk about it, but it's just like, ugh. Why? So they can lie in their pockets. Yay, billion souls, billion pocketbooks, you know? And it's just like, I know that kingdom increase is going to be for everybody and everyone's 
you know, you, when you're walking in the kingdom age and that's coming forth, there is going to be monetary influence and increase and it's going to be amazing. There will be many billionaires, God's billionaires. It's time for God's billionaires. Yes, that's true. Then people are like, no, don't throw it away. That's my inheritance. I know. I'm supposed to have cars. Okay, can you just calm down with the idolatry a little bit? Have some compassion for the souls and have some love for what God actually wants to do. You stop really caring about that stuff. You're going to go and inherit it anyway. But the fact that you're worried about losing it or this going to happen, it's just like, it's just gross idolatry. And so that's, we can't be like the pagan, uh, the pagan Christians. We can't be like that. We want to show ourselves before the angels, before God. We're not like that. We're not going to be like that. We're not going to judge and condemn them for that. We're going to forgive and we're going to, you know, keep speaking the truth until maybe some of those people are going to taste and see that the Lord is good and come up the sapphire stones, right? There's no problem that you have in this life that cannot be fixed by you ascending the sapphire stones. The character changes, right? So just keep keep the eyes on the prize, which is Christ. Remember, knowing the times and the seasons only comes from valuing God as your inheritance instead of the stuff that comes with it. It doesn't mean you're going into Gnosticism and throwing it all out. It just means you get the idolatry out, right? Not to the left, not to the right, just right, sh razor sharp down the middle. And you know, when you know that you know that you're walking in God's timeline and you're walking in that perfection, there's no need to be all like, oh, no, no, you know, you just, you kind of calm down about that stuff. I'm going to miss my destiny if I don't get this thing by this exact date and da da oh, no, no. You're going to go up the next rung. You're going to get circumcised. You're going to get the circumcision. You're going to go under the sun. You're going to get the transfiguration. And then you're going to go up to Gevra. And then you're going to go to Hosea. Then you're going to go to Osiah. Then you're going to go through Yetzir. And you're going to You just, that's the goal. Why? Because you're valuing Christ. Every rung that you have circumcised is you receiving more of him. That sapphire stone is given to you. That's more of him. So when you're more concerned with more of him, which is going up sapphire stones, then you love God more than the stuff. So you're not worried about all the other stuff. You're just waiting and listening and obeying when God tells you what to do because you love God, which means if you love me, you will obey my commands. So you're not concerned with coming up with a bunch of other stuff that you gotta do on this time. Da, 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 da. It's just like, no. We have to do all. <laughs> that was the last thing. <laughs> we have to do all this stuff to promote all these events. And if God tells you to do an event and you do the event and they promote it, but like, let's stick to God's plan and do what we need to to annihilate the structure of deceit. Help each other go up the Sephirot. Why do we go up so fast? Part of it, yeah, it's pioneering, it's this, it's that love of God and his ways. But we come here and we pour out what we've done right, what we've done wrong, warning signs along the way, helpful hints, truth about the sapphire stones. So when we tell you and give you keys, when you're pouring into someone else, this is us helping you rise. When you help someone else rise, it helps you to go up. Right? If you're like, no, I don't want people to rise. I just want to go fast. Mm -hmm. It stunts your growth. It does the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. When you're more selfless and you want to help, you help others grow. Love one another as I've loved you. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus ascended and he's like, feed my sheep to Peter. Basically, help them all mm -hmm. resurrect on the path of the moon, sun, and stars. Mm -hmm. Help them all ascend. 
What I've done for you, you do for others. What you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And it's all for a benefit if you're building them up in Jacob's ladder, in the messianic bloodlines. You're building up to have an inheritance with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to live on the stars. Amen. Amen. And yeah, that's the key. So if you hit a point where it's difficult to move forward, you might want, if you're on sapphire stones, it's good to look at the people around you and help them go up. Help them come up. By what? How can you help someone else? You can share what you've already attained. So you can help others to the measure that you've been circumcised. The greatest in the kingdom mm-hmm. is servant of all. So, ex- exactly. And so what's the best service of someone? You're laying down your life, sacrificing your own selfishness, which means you have circumcisions. The more circumcisions, the more humility, the more selflessness, the more love. So you share the impartation of that, what God's already formed in you, and that can help someone else to come up. Now, if you're just down on Malkut of Isaiah, and you're not even up to the top of the mountain, there's no chance of you helping other people that are just, you know what, maybe help them come up the mountain if you're on the mountain. You need to go and eat. Yeah, you got to do it yourself. There's no, you shouldn't be giving like advice and things like that. It's just not very Definitely helpful. should not be ministering until you have a bag right. of foreskins. Right. Your priesthood is entirely sin. Right. So, yeah, like if you're in a men's group or if you're in a women's group or anything, a little group around Red Letter Ministries and you're trying to go up, remember, if you're not already Apostle on Paul the moon, said that in you're Timothy, not going I to forbid any new believers advice. to be in leadership. It's, it's written mm-hmm. in Scripture that no new believer should be helping or mm-hmm. uh, teaching. There should be no new believers mm-hmm. teaching. All these verses are in Paul's writings to establish order amongst all kinds of levels of maturity. Right. So, but if you're at the top of Malkut, if someone is just coming out of NPC Wonderland and doesn't even know God inside minded, of course you can help someone. You know, you can help those people, gather them to the mountain. There's great reward. You can clean their house, you can clean their car, you can bake them a cake. There's a million things of helps you can do. But leave the teaching to the ones that have tons of Torah, oral tradition, and written Torah and New Testament, mm-hmm. Old Testament wisdom. Because if you don't have great wisdom, you literally can't build people up. It's It'll just be a bunch of... You manure. might end up harming someone. So that, And just think about that. It's not what, where you want to And that's why they have teach. this mess yeah. in the valley nowadays is because yeah. you've allowed a bunch of infants in Christ right. with Bible college degrees and doctorates in divinity mm-hmm. that have zero wisdom yeah. to teach in all the sheep sheds. And it's, it doesn't yeah. build anyone up into the sun, moon, and stars. And so it's just the standard is mm-hmm. infancy and Greek doctrine mm-hmm. without living Torah, evidence of living in the heavens. Right. Some of those down there in the valley, the gray matter, uh, those are NPCs down there. Some of them are pastors. Some of them are pastors of great churches, movements of God. Some of them walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, but they don't have heights on the sapphire stones. They don't have circumcision. What was the evidence that you were person of God, like God's people, Jewish, circumcision, that's it. Circumcision and then obviously living by God's ways. But in the New Testament and New Torah, you walk in God's ways as you get circumcision because the character itself is changing because you're removing the satanic nature of the curse of the fall. Satan's kingdom of the dust of your earth and vessel is getting removed. 
There you yeah, go. This is presenting your heart before Torah. And who's Torah? John 1, 1, Jesus Christ, the Torah of God, the Word of God. You present your heart before Torah for the fresh circumcisions, the fresh inscriptions, which is called engaging in Torah or daily bread. That's the job of all believers and lovers of Jesus Christ in the whole world. Very few actually present their heart to be circumcised. They usually just present their head and then pick and choose as judges, which is unrighteousness, unrighteous mm -hmm. judges, what they allow into the dead part of their carnal mind. So they become blasphemers and enemies of the gospel, enemies of circumcision, the more they listen to higher level teaching because mm -hmm. they pick and choose in their Greek brains. Mm -hmm. Instead of allowing your heart to be presented and allowing the sword of the spirit just to cut away all kinds of stuff from your, your, your heart for your spirit to come up and shine as it's written until the morning star rises in your hearts and your day dawns. How? Through the prophetic word, through oral tradition of the Messiah's teaching. So we have this idea of this stuff going into our head, but the Bible says all that matters is the preaching to awaken hearts. You don't even help someone if it only goes into their brain. It's, you're not helping them at all. You're mm -hmm. hurting them. It's just stupid waste of time, fake Christianity. Right. Only if it hits the heart and peels off the world mm -hmm. from the heart does the morning star rise mm -hmm. and day dawn, Second Peter one nineteen, for Shekinah to come forth through Torah formed inside the spirit and the soul gets glorified. Amen. And it's through the spirit that Philippians 3.11 says that we obtain the moral and spiritual resurrection that lifts us out from among the dead, even while in the body. So it's the spirit in the soul that goes up to the moon. Even though your body is still down on earth, your spirit and your soul are in the heavens. Jesus' body is standing before the Israelites. What did he say to him? I am, Yadevave, from above. But since you're not awake above, you have no place for my words in your heart. That's what he told them. That's exactly what it says. But when you're awakened within through Torah and circumcised, you're awake above and below both. And your body gets the benefits below. And your spirit and your soul is living in the angelic rungs above. So you're fully living the above life and the below life perfectly. Amen. And both worlds get per perfected above and below. And then eventually his below part went up to his above part in Acts chapter 1 as they watched him ascend into the cloud. And he had no more below part. And then he says, I'm sending my spirit to my body. You now are my body, my below part. And many will arise in the hope of resurrection and also be above as he was above during his earthly ministry. And that's what maturity truly is. Amen. Mm. Glory. Man, this is so exciting. I love studying the Hebrew on these things. Pretty excited. I was looking at the ninth week and the Rose of Sharon. That's why I got the download on the Red Rose. It's the Rose of Sharon. Man, it's the, uh, there's so much in there. I don't know if I'll get into it today or not, but... You know, she will be glad for them. The wilderness, the wasteland shall rejoice. The desert and blossom as the rose it's so interesting the desert there is Arabah who the shall rejoice the desert 
you know, the word of God is always that double-edged sword and usually have that mystic meaning in there. We know the Araboth is the seventh heaven, so that's absolute. This is just really interesting. That's a Isaiah 35, 1, talking about the rose of Sharon. Man, I am the rose of Sharon from Song of Songs, uh, Strong's 2261, Kabat Seleth. And they're just it's so rich. That meadow saffron, crocus, the rose, like the blossom. And shall be glad for them the wilderness and the wasteland, and shall rejoice the Araboth. Wow. The Araboth, and then Watifra, Latifra, which is an allusion there to Tifereth, but uh, a higher one, which is. Remember, if the sun, if the Tiferet is the sun, remember the moon reflects the sun. What does the sun reflect light from? Another dimension, right? What does Jesus Christ reflect the glory of? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, Father, Son, we talk about the light of Keter. So, we'll rejoice. Uh, the Araboth, absolute, and the Blossom, which is what? The White Rose of Keter, and Kabatselet, which is, let's see if I'm saying that wrong, that's Strong's 2261, C-H-A-B-A-T-S-T-S-E-L-E-T-H, spelling bee finals level word, Kabatselet. And that T-S, and that T-S there, that's that T-Z kind of uh, indicating of righteousness. There's a lot of mysteries mm, in there, like the at, absolute, spelling. yeah, so, yeah. And then you have, the, there's letters of righteousness, the Lamed, the Tav, the Mark of Christ, and there, there's just so much going on in there. Kabat Yeah, the, and that's in Song of Songs 2-1, that's the word, I am the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the valleys and so you have there uh, in that the other mention other than song of songs 2 1 of that word is isaiah 35 1 and the arabah and the blossom the crocus so you have i am the rose of sharon the lily of the valleys and then isaiah 31 and blossom as the rose or and the arabah and blossom the crocus. And looking at the Hebrew, where did it go? Let's see. Well, well, well. Isaiah, there it is. Okay. The Araboth. So the. I guess we can. You can see it here. It's easier. I'm looking when I'm talking about these things. I'm looking at pictures in my vision screen. So let's get you some pictures here. Okay. This will just be a nice little nugget of revelation to finish up on here, where you can see the worlds. All right. So absolute Hakma. Araboth. Okay. And shall rejoice the Araboth, absolute, and blossom, right? The white rose, Adam, Cadmon, Keter. The above Tifret. It's implying the higher sun, father sun. 
So the Araboth and so Absolute and Adam Kadmon Kadir. As the Rose Kabachalet, that is the Rose of Sharon, which is nine, week nine, Einsof or the Red Rose. Mysteries of the Song of Songs, which is we talked about the song. We talked about the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb tonight. So we're stepping into that territory of the Song of the Lamb, which is the new Torah, which the uh, ninth soul that represents the first of the two fish, when Jesus Christ talked about the five loaves and the two fish. Remember, there's five books of Torah, and the two represented in the um, the different facing of the Ark of Shekinah in the Old Testament that elude with the, their unique markings is the only place that happens in the whole Old Testament. And it is representative of those hidden two books. Why are there seven books? Wisdom has built her seven pillars. Five, five bread, two fish, right? Five Torah, two hidden books of Torah, in the invisible realm, you may see that in a vision as Torah books or scrolls in the clouds. With Jesus, you may see it as two fish. And of the indication in the Old Testament for those two uh, hidden books of oral Torah are indicated by two inverted nuns. Do I mean Catholic priests? No, nuns? No, not like that. But the Hebrew letter, nun, they're facing backwards. They wrote the letter literally facing backwards. And there's two of them there, and it, it is about the arc and which way it's facing or which way they're going when they're moving camp, right? So, yeah, it's really, it's it goes deep. We'd probably have to do a whole nother, like, session on that or just go back through the master class and take that again. And the higher you go up or the more of these teachings you receive, when you go back and you do those classes again, you'll have a much greater understanding of the concepts than the first time you went through it. So there's that. Uh, so those, but none, the letter in Hebrew, it also represents fish, right? It represents fish. So when Jesus said five loaves and two fish, right? The two nuns, oral tradition. He was like, are you guys still so dull? Because they didn't get it. He, they said they still didn't get it when he, you know, how many baskets did you have left over? The five loaves and the two fish, huh? <laughs> didn't you get it? And there was a verse, um, in the New Testament today, it was about understanding. It says that their their hearts became calloused, and they lost their power of understanding. We also have the five books of the New Testament: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, that fulfill the five books of Torah: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. And then you have the two books of oral tradition for the Old Testament and the two books of oral tradition for the New Testament. So that is symbolized by the five loaves and the two fishes, or the five souls and the two above those souls, above the Sephirot. Oh yeah, there it is, Mark. Mark six fifty-two. And the Amplified Classic, okay. This is when they saw him walking on the water. And he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its own beating, and they were astonished exceedingly beyond measure. For they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. Right? The five loaves and the two fish. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, 
and lost the power of understanding. That's mm. Mark six fifty one and 52. They didn't um, understand it above, only below, and that's mm. why they lost the understanding. If you have Christianity only below, you lose everything above and become exceedingly mm -hmm. callous, and that's what it's talking about. You need the above and below both, always, in everything mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ every day. Cool. And you know, it's interesting is then they, after they crossed over, they landed in Gennesaret, which means the Garden of the Prince. Hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun stuff <laughs> in there. But um, yeah, you want to be able to enter the garden and you need the oral tradition. You need the oral tradition of Moses and the oral tradition of the Lamb, which is the oral tradition of Jesus Christ. Right, five loaves, two, two fish. And that also um, pertains to the five lower souls, which are the five loaves, so that the five souls, right, when you're going through the Sephra and then you complete it, right, so that becomes... That above world becomes your below world, which means you have... That's what the Red Letter yeah. Ministry Destiny is. It's the yep. oral tradition of Jesus Christ. Amen, the Red Letter Ministry. And it hasn't come forth in Christianity until now. It's yep. true. Amen. So the Nefesh, Ruah, Neshama, and the Chaya, and the Yachita are the first five. Those are the five loaves. The Yachita is kind of that crossover point where you can begin to understand the more eternal realms uh, beyond in the world and the things to come it's the deeper things of God the bread if at any point there's wrongdoing or harming in the bread or we uh, go into like the clippeth that bread becomes maggoty right so we have to keep our souls clean uh, remember you're being faithful with the ruasal if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit be faithful and holy with the ruasal you want to, if you're faithful with little, he gives you more. So as he gives you more souls and you go up, it's important to always stay washed, keep them clean, and be faithful with more souls so that can be added unto you. And again, you want to have, uh, be content with the souls God has given you and do well with them. As he said, uh, you know, those who just buried the one talent, you know, what you think you have, it's taken away more talents given to you you're gonna be faithful with them stewardship mm -hmm. and management every parable of jesus yep. christ in matthew mark luke and john if you're faithful with stewarding and managing mm -hmm. what you have currently angels mm -hmm. will come and they judge you and you are allowed mm -hmm. an increase from jesus christ in jerusalem the king of all glory amen and so those two fish are the souls of the ninth or is that down there mm. oh the ninth uh, the ninth and the tenth weeks. Amen. Which is what's needed for that final judgment. And again, idols are how we think God's going to do it. If you want to go up <laughs> ten weeks, you can't have any opinion of how and what and when God's going to do it and how he's going to take down the blah, blah, blah. You just have to receive orders and obey orders. That's it. Yeah, but, well, and I want this to happen and that and I want to be glowing and flying around maybe oh, that's great I hope so for you but you have to receive orders and obey orders God has a purpose and a reason for everything yeah, there's a humility mm -hmm. for your expectations mm -hmm. and of every rung 
of like and then the people are going to flood in and everyone's going to expectations and then all my people back home that rejected me are going to be like wow you were right and we were wrong oh my gosh we repent <laughs> and now we're going to get the baptism of the holy spirit and go up the sapphire stones and it's just like you know you have to literally let go of everything and i'm a soldier i receive orders and i carry out orders why because i trust that god has a plan i don't know what he god has a there's an inner curtain the father's personal throne on the inside of it there's a secret place that nobody not even the angels around his throne attending get to look at it the father's plan that's the um he may share some of those with like his council of eight there's a very like when jesus when his own when jesus was on the earth he didn't get to see that do you understand he wasn't allowed to see that when he was on the earth he had to trust and go by faith why so that he could go through the actual realistic human experience it's true so that's why when we tested in these things well i want this to happen i want the people to come in or i want my family to do this and our, i want this person to be healed i want to be healed you know that's another thing people are well am i gonna have perfect health and perfect healing and Look, you have to even lay that down. There's been, I actually had, there was quite some high rungs that I had some issue, like I had some, not like devastating or detrimental, but I had thorns in my flesh in the form of health issues. What did I have to do? Yeah, you care for your nefesh. Why wouldn't it have been healed by then? In the oral tradition of Moses, they talk about God delighting. I'm going to say this right now. Do you ever have a family member or a friend, you actually liked them better when they weren't doing well? All of a sudden they get so humble. Oh, please, can you help me? Can you, I don't feel well, da da da, you know? Do you ever think that God might have liked how you were when you weren't feeling well? You know, you go off and you do your own thing and then all of a sudden you get hit with a, a cold or you got hit with some kind of, you know, you're out with a stomach flu for you had to go out of school for a whole week and you couldn't do sports and you couldn't do nothing you just had to lay there and be sick but then you re-encountered god what was more important your physical health or you reconnected with god did you ever think that god liked you better or likes you better with that issue that you have because it actually humbled you now he can talk to you he doesn't want it he doesn't delight in seeing his kids sick Children, the bread, the healing, the children's bread. I need, like, he's, the oral tradition of Moses is very common for them to talk about God delighting in afflicting the righteous with those kinds of issues. Why? Because it develops character. He's more interested. Now, it's not his preferred way. He'd rather you be in perfect blazing health. But whatever, he knows each soul. He knows the weaknesses. He knows the strengths. And if one little issue in your life is going to humble you to where you can receive circumcision, he would rather that and you get circumcised than what, you just perish on the earth and not accomplish his will and your destiny? You gotta start thinking long-term, eternally, eternal thoughts. Start thinking in the long-term. You want your family to be a certain way right now. Well, he knows the long plan and what's actually going to work for them. Well. If that family member just got healed and then they rejected righteousness and perished in hell for all of eternity, what's the point? You gotta think eternal, long-term, and detach your own emotions of what you want done. And I know it's a hard thing for some people because of family idolatry, 
uh, idolatry of your own destiny, idolatry of the idea of the way you want God to do things and how you want it to work out. God's ways in the end, even though we don't think it is in our own little brains, his ways always end up being way better than we thought. So you're going to have to be okay. Some of you are going to have to be okay with a little discomfort in your flesh. Don't fo take care of yourself the way you need taken care of, but make sure you're getting the circumcisions. If you're just running around tent to tent, doghouse to doghouse, heal me, heal me, heal me, you might get a breakthrough out of your desperation. Right? So you keep knocking and keep asking, and, I need some bread for my friends. Yeah, sure, you should press in. You should pray for each other's healings. You should. But what's the main thing? Character. And it does increase a long-lasting healing as you go up. Those things get taken care of. So God is interested in circumcision and changing your character to be a partaker of the divine nature with a, for a long-lasting healing, not just a healing and you're getting sick and a healing and then you don't follow his ways or you don't go up sapphire stones, don't accomplish your destiny. He's not interested in all that. So if you have some kind of an issue, yes, continue to pray for that breakthrough. Pray for each other's healing. But more importantly, get the circumcisions, go up the sapphire stones, get the permanent breakthrough. And then there won't be any need for those thorns in your flesh anymore. Right, the thorn in my flesh, thorn in my flesh. I talked to Jesus about there was one issue for like years, and he told me my grace is enough. I watched him heal other people right in front of my face. And I was like, why not me? And I'm kind of crying, and why don't you love me? And why I don't understand. It's not hard for God to heal. It's not hard. But we don't often understand his wisdom. If he had healed me then when I wanted healed, I'd never be on this journey. He was thinking in the long term, you're going to go up sapphire stones. You're going to find my way. You're going to help others go up. All I could focus on in that moment was my pain, my discomfort, and why wasn't God healing me? Aren't, don't you love me? Cry, cry, cry. You see what I'm saying? It's about the long-term plan and vision, the Father's vision. And in the end, the healing came. And it's a lasting healing. But if he had healed me at first... I wouldn't have been at that point of desperation or that place of humility to receive my true destiny. Okay, that's a good word. Oh, this is a good one. But he immediately talked to them and said, Take heart, I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Remember what we taught yesterday for finances. Tithing maintains the size of the apostleship of what's already established. Our world-class studio here, broadcasting center going around the world, 10 different channels that have already been developed, the app that's developed that was just re-released and published today, uh, and all the iPhone devices, and we've been working with teams to get all that fixed. It was re-released today. Brand new app. Everything, the menu screen healed, working perfectly, re-released on Android and Google Store and Apple and the iOS Store, RLM Glory Life, all of that stuff, the maintenance of that, the radio stations, we're moving radio stations into the cloud server systems in the next month, all of that's going to take money and resources and, and monthly uh, subscriptions in order to maintain the, the music stations, radio stations, your tithing keeps the apostleship and the maintenance of everything RLM Global is going. 
the salary of our staff in Africa, mm -hmm. and all that we do with our 400-person stadium there, with almost daily meetings, with thousands of hours of volunteer time there and here in the Minneapolis community, um, of taking care of business and all kinds of stuff changing and uh, needs to be replaced. I mean, literally every day there is a huge amount of maintenance. That's why you tithe to the temple. It maintains what's established in the apostleship. And it keeps everything working so that when it's broken, it can be replaced, it's fixed, and we're not having to do fundraisers for every little thing that constantly needs maintenance out of the thousands of mm -hmm. things that we do every day. The offerings blow it up. It goes beyond maintenance. It's expansion. Mm -hmm. When you have a building program for an earthly church, they will have offerings for it. They don't expect the tithes to go for that. They raise offerings in support. We have churches around the Twin Cities. I've watched them in the, this summer raise $15 million to build mega churches out in the suburbs to buy the lot and to just pour the concrete. And so it was all through offerings that even the valley continues to build $15 million doghouses. And it is a total abomination, and these people don't even have the gospel. I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying, if people would focus where to advance the kingdom, we would own God TV by now. We would. We would own television channels. We would have radio channels. But the fact that there's such a low standard for food digestible in the American church... They want the $15 million megachurch. They don't want Sapphire Stone, Dominion of Messianic Kingdom realities yet. You can tell they're hungry usually for the junk food in the valley to retain the soul. If you guys want to shift things and force people to make a decision for righteousness or the clippeth, supporting the righteousness that we establish here will eradicate the valley of decision, the gray matter. The Christian nonsense, the Christian abomination of all of that stuff in the doghouse, in the earthly. There's no church of the earthly. Read the book of Revelation. It's obliterated. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Satan is thrown down. It'll be Pharaoh in the earthly, driving Christians into Jacob's ladder to become the heavenly church that God the Father originally had in his heart. A people that are living in the heavens and a heaven of Israel, a heaven of Jerusalem, a heaven of the twelve tribes of Israel, a heaven of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, and all his sons and daughters living in the heavens. That needs to be every single person who loves Jesus at the sound of my voice, their vision, building the great temple. Not the stuff on earth that's just being set up to be drowned like the days of Noah. The days of Noah, they're building everything on the earth, giving and taking to marriage. All of it obliterated. Total. They wasted billions of dollars. There was a billion people on earth doing their own thing. God destroyed all of it. He will destroy it again. Jesus said his second coming would be like the days of Noah, where everything on earth was obliterated. So in order for it to not be building in vain, laboring in vain, we must build on the sapphire stones. Understand the giving into Sapphire Stone Advancement is the only long-term investment where offerings and donations and tithing will even remain of any heavenly good past just even months in the future, just even a few years in the future. 
Judgment is coming swiftly in these days as the sons and daughters of God go and live on sapphire stones. And, oh, and heed that commandment of Revelation 4.1. Come up here. I heard a voice in heaven commanding repentance out of the earthly to live all the time in the heavenly. And we give you the instructions every day from this pulpit, from this apostolic stage given to us by God himself in heaven, how to live in the heavens accurately. Support this ministry, give generously, click the links in the description, become a tither in Jesus' name, and let your tithes ascend to the very throne of God through moon, sun, and stars, the path of Jesus Christ's ascension, so that the Father receives your offerings. And it's not just building, moving around mounds of dirt and the goat's head battering ram of building bricks on earth like Egyptian Christianity. The tithe and the offering and the offering must ascend moon, sun, and stars to God like Cornelius. Otherwise, all the finances is vanity, 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 chasing after the wind. We don't want any more vanity. We want the clarity, the crystal clear that sparkles of the throne of God in heaven. And let only those purposes be built by all believers' money in the whole world in Jesus' name. Where you put your money is your vote for a, a kingdom. Either a vote for the Clippeth and for the sorcerers of Babylon and the church of that city Babylon. The church of Babylon is a gigantic mega church in the book of Revelation. So if you're tithing and giving offerings to that earthly church, you are supporting the whore of Babylon and your tithes and offerings go to Satan 100% of the time. It's the city of Babylon versus the city of heavenly Jerusalem of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And there is nothing in between. In Jesus' name, may you all vote with your money for the city of heavenly Jerusalem by supporting Red Letter Ministries in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We'll yes. see you guys tomorrow. Glory.
Nature. 